Welcome to Gemara Markings. Today's shiur is Yevomus Daf Mem Vov. Don't forget to click on the Daf option in order to view a marked Daf Gemara for today's shiur. If you are not fully familiar with our Gemara marking system and wish to benefit from its great rewards, it is essential that you study all of the introductory material accessed by clicking on the Learn the System option provided on the sidebar of our home page. If you're already partially familiar, you will benefit by clicking on the brief four-minute introduction that is available here. Being that our system is a visual approach to the Daf Gemara, it is recommended that you print out the marked Daf Gemara before the Shior. If you wish to be in touch with us, we can be reached at gmarkings at gmail.com. We begin today's Shior five lines from the top of Daf Mem Vov, in the middle of the line, Mosiv. At the side of the Gemara text, you'll notice the beginning of a long question marking. But before we begin the Gemara, let us simply point out that we're in the middle of a discussion. On the side of the Gemara, we have a tat no se uh, reference. Hektish chometz v'shichur mafkim shibud. We emphasize the word shichur, the slave who uh, is uh, set free so that uh, even though he might have been set up as a source of collateral, a source of collection of debts, but once he is set free, so that undoes that particular arrangement. This was a halacha that was mentioned by Rava in the course of the discussion that we saw last time, that began at the bottom of Mem He Omid Beis, where we saw a... Gentile selling his slave to a Jew but before the Jew took possession of the slave the slave immersed in a mikvah with the intention of becoming Jewish the, uh, we saw in the Gemara the ruling was that that uh, immersion is effective and the uh, Jewish purchaser basically loses out he doesn't get uh, the, the, the privilege of owning that slave because the slave preempted his enslavement to the Jew by jumping into a mikvah with conversion intent. Mosiv Rav Chista, we continue with the Gemara text, Rav Chista raises an objection to the ruling we just stated. Maisev Bluria Hagiores. Bluria is the name of a woman that was converting to Judaism. Now, this woman was, of course, a Gentile, and she also owned slaves. So, the, a story involves this woman, Bluria. Apparently, the slaves knew what her plans were, so they uh, hastened into a mikvah before she did, for her conversion purposes. So, the slaves immersed themselves in the mikvah with the intention of, uh, of assuming... Judaism and the Chachamim rule that they acquire themselves they become their own owners as free Jewish people and, and now the Gemara infers in this whole story is effective because they did so before she became Jewish but if she became Jewish before them, before their jumping into the mikvah, we wouldn't say that the Eved acquires himself as a Ben Chorin. Contrary to the 
Psak, the ruling that we saw in the name of Rav, who said the bottom line of Omid Beis, of Memhe Omid Beis, Kono Atzmo Ben Chorin. Here we're seeing that if she became Jewish before them, they wouldn't have acquired their own freedom. The Gemara answers, Omar Rava, Lefoneho, Bein Bistam, Bein Bimafurash. The two situations, there's if they do their immersion before she does, so then it makes no difference whether they explain why they were immersing themselves in the mikvah. Even if they remained silent about it, they didn't explain, they didn't ex- uh, say explicitly why they were immersing, their immersion would be effective. That's as far as if they did so before she. Lacharel. If, however, she immersed for conversion purposes first, then we say, B'mefurosh in B'stam lo. Only if they immerse themselves with the explicit uh, declaration that they are doing so for conversion purposes, then it would be effective. So that with this we're able to preserve the Psak of Rav from the bottom of Amad Aleph, of, of Menhem with Beis. Take note of the fact we have a long point now. Omer of Avya, lo shanu ela belokeach mino oive This halacha is true only when you're dealing with a purchase from a Gentile. Avol oive kechovim gufei, a Gentile who sold himself to a Jew, kani. That is effective, that works. That, and and the, the result being that the Jew acquires this Gentile to be a slave. Now, Rashi says, uh, just a couple lines down from here, a Gentile that sold himself to a Jew. The Jew acquires him fully. In other words, he gains an inherent ownership of him. Not just a financial obligation, a work obligation, but he gains a full inherent ownership. And if he, this uh, Gentile who sold himself to a Jew, would attempt this uh, in, in mikveh immersion, um, uh, let's say, trick, it won't work. We continue in the Gemara. Dichtit, the Posuk says, The Posuk describes the Jewish people upon their entrance to the land of Israel. So it says that from the uh, local inhabitants, the uh, Gentile peoples that were in the land, uh, you, the Jewish people, can acquire them. And we learn from here, several points. Number one, Atem Koinim Mehem, you, the Jew, can acquire them. Velohem Koinim Mikem, and they don't acquire you. That's not a, that's a point that will be descri- discussed momentarily in the Gemara. Velohem Koinim Zemizen, nor do they acquire one another. The Gemara now focuses on point two. Velohem Koinim Mikem. The uh, halacha said, based on the Pasuk, that they do not acquire from you. In other words, the Pasuk says, you acquire them, leaving room to infer that they do not acquire you, that the Gentiles do not acquire a Jew as a slave. 
Well, we say lemai. Regarding what do you say they do not acquire? If you were to think that a Gentile cannot acquire a Jew for his work, for his uh, work production, for his obligation to serve in a work capacity, that's not true to say that a guy cannot acquire a Jew with that in mind. Does it, is it so that a guy cannot acquire a Jew for his work, for his maisi yodav? In other words, that through a through the uh, guy paying the Jew uh, to, uh, we'll say, enslave himself for work purposes, does that not take hold? It certainly does. The Pasuk says regarding a Jew that sold uh, that was sold it says that's a quote from the Pasuk the Omar and the explanation of Mishpachas Ger is that the Jew is sold that means you're sold to a Gentile so the Torah itself acknowledges that a Jew can become uh, duty bound work bound to a Gentile owner Elolav when we say that a Gentile cannot acquire a Jew, that means this higher level of ownership called the an inherent ownership. In literally, uh, to own his body. doesn't become a, an owner of his body. It doesn't become a piece of property of the Gentile, but rather a work obligation does, uh, d- does develop if the Jew was sold to a guy. So the Pesach, so the Drosha before said, we said before uh, three points. So we we know that when in, in point number two, when it said it meant they don't acquire a Kenyan goof on the Jew. And the Torah does say in the same breath that you do acquire them, which means in the same the same level so that this is the end of the point the point being that a uh, a Gentile that sells himself to a Jew he becomes the full uh, property of the Jew and with that in mind as we saw before in the Rashi that if he were to try to immerse himself in the mikveh to become free, he can't do that because the Jew who bought him owns him bodily as well. And that prevents the mikveh trick that we saw before. So just to restate that, we saw that if a Gentile was selling a slave to a Jew, since the Gentile didn't have a Kenyan goof on the Eved, that left room for the Eved before being uh, uh, taken over by the Jew, that room during that, that switchover period for the, for the Eved, for the slave to immerse himself in mikveh, and as we saw before, to to undo any further work obligations. Because that is all that the Jew, that the a Gentile had sold to the Jew when selling this slave. 
And that can be undone by shifur, by immersing in the mikveh. Poruch Rav Acha. Rav Acha raises a, an objection or a question. He says, Emo bekaspa ubitvila. Rashi, Emo bekaspa ubitvila, the shum abdus, who the ka'omarachmono likni. Maybe when the Torah says that Atem konim mikem, that's only when you buy them uh, through a uh, payment, payment of money, that's kaspa. Ubitvila means immersion in the mikvah with intention to be a slave. That's when the Torah says you acquire them. Avol im kidam shame ben chorin, hachi nami de ben chorin hu. But if he were to hasten before uh, before the Jew takes full ownership of him, it would work. So that when the uh, Torah says Atem Koinim Mehem, all it means is that the possibility to acquire them exists through uh, a through paying for the slave or paying him and immersion for. Uh, enslavement, but if he doesn't do that, do that. If he doesn't immer- immerse li- for the purpose of enslavement, but money was merely paid. Uh, let's say to the the Jew paid a Gentile in anticipation of owning him, but before uh, he before he uh, started working for the Jew, that same Gentile immersed himself in a mikvah l'shein ben Horin for the purpose of of becoming a free, becoming Jewish. That would work. So that to say so conclusively, as uh, Rav Avio said, that a Gentile who sells himself to a Jew at the point that the sale takes place, he can no longer immerse himself for for the purpose of being a Jew, that is not necessarily so. Kashio and the Gemara leaves this point over as a difficulty. And there's a question, a difficulty for, uh, against, or on Rav Avio's uh, ruling. Omar Shmuel, the Tzorach letokfoi b'mayim. Rashi explains that in in order to uh, in order for the uh, the Jew to acquire the slave and that the slave should work for him, Rashi says letokfoi b'mayim kishemat bilo l'shem yadus la'avdus. When you are buying uh, a, a Gentile for the purpose of working for you, so there's an immersion that takes place for the sake of uh, a form of Judaism in the under the context of enslavement. You have to put upon him the yoke of work while he's still in the water. If you put upon him something, some type of burden on him while he's in the water, so it, it appears that he is immersing as a slave. At that point, that if he says that he's he's immersing as a for the sake of becoming free, for the sake of becoming a Jew, he won't acquire himself to be a free. Jewish person, because the uh, the facts the, that you see that he's he's with a burden upon him will contradict that. It rather it demonstrates that he really is a slave.
as is illustrated in the following story of Minyamin, the slave of Ravashi, uh, he wanted to immerse him. Rashi says, uh, to be a slave in the Jewish context. Uh, we didn't explain before, but in terms of categories of humanity, so you have Gentiles, you have Jews, and then there's a this interim area called Abdus, where someone immerses himself from be, from having been a straightforward Gentile, immerses himself for the sake of being a slave, but in the context of Judaism, whereby the slave is obligated to fulfill mitzvos similar to the mitzvahs that a woman is obligated, a Jewish woman is obligated to fulfill. It's a special category. So you have here, uh, this is, uh, Ravashi was acquiring Minyamin, and he wanted to acquire him as a slave within the Jewish context. Masrei nihalayu l'ravino u'l'ravacho Rava. Ravashi gave Minyamin over to the charge of Ravino and Ravacha. Omaluhu and Ravashi said to them, Chazu deminaychu kovoino lei. Take note or be careful that I am going to seek him from you. Meaning that if he were to immerse himself and, de- uh, and declare himself a Ben Horen, so I'm going to ask you to compensate me for the loss. So that Ravashi was paying money for uh, Minyamin to be his slave. And in order to become a slave, so there is an immersion in the mikvah that is necessary, as we explained before. And Ravashi is charging Rav, Ravino and Ravacha to take care of the matter. And he's adding that be careful that if, if there's some type of mess up here where Minyamin declares his immersion, L'Shem Ben Chorin, to be a free man, to become Jewish, then I'm going to ask you to compensate me for the loss of the money that I paid for him. Ramu lay Aruyasa B'Tzapare. So they put a chain, uh, Aruyasa chain, a, around his neck. Arpule B'Tzimtzulule. It says they, it was loosened and it was tightened. When immersing in the mikvah with a chain around you, it has to be a loose fit so that the water touches all parts of your body and that the chain doesn't present an interposition. And then as he rose out of the water, they tightened it. It seems to be some type of... Uh, uh, in, uh, momentary strangulation if you will whereby he won't be able to talk because the chain is tightened and preventing him from declaring at that point that his immersion was for the sake of conversion to be a free Jewish man the Hadi the Doli Reishimimaya as he was picking lifting his head out of the water Anchule Zulta Detino Areshe they placed a vessel full of of, uh, of cement on his head. The Omru lay, and they said, Zil Amti Lebei Morach, go take this to your master's house. So, as you can see, this is an illustration of the points that we learned before 
that a slave that is being acquired by a Jewish owner, one has to make sure that when the immersion takes place, there's no chance of his declaring that it's an immersion for freedom, uh, and it has to appear that he is is uh, is immediately working in, in servitude, so that we uh, can see that it was a uh, a tevila l'shem abdus, and if he were to declare. Uh, at any point, at any subsequent point, that he immersed himself as uh, as an immersion of a free man, someone who's converting to be full, a full fledged Jew, we would say that's a joke. We saw you uh, serving as a slave in this case, in this case, carrying this vessel around of, uh, with tito, with tino or tit uh, on his head. The Gemara continues. Omar le Rav Papa Rav. You can see we have a slash mark indicating that this is a new. Point of thought, Rav Papa says to Rav, Chazi Mar Hani Debei Papa Bar Abba. Take note. Do you see these uh, members of the house of Papa Bar Abba? The Avi Zuzi Leinshi Lekargayu, where they pay money to the king's officials, the king's tax collectors. Kargayu is a head tax. And after paying the head tax for for specific uh, people in the in the community, they then take those people and uh, and then enslave them. In other words, by paying their tax, these uh, Gentiles for whom they paid the tax become the slaves of the uh, people of Bay Popi Bar Abba. Kinaki. When they leave their servitude, srichi gita dechirusa olo. Do they need a get shichur? A get shichur is a is a document. Gita is a document. Chirusa freedom. Uh, a get shichur is characteristic of a slave that's owned by a Jew, and if he uh, should decide to free him. He frees him by giving him this document of release, and by receiving this document of release, the slave becomes a full-fledged Jew. So the question is, is this means of acquisition, the tax payment for people who are delinquent in their taxes, and the subsequent enslavement, does that result in their being full-fledged slaves? Characteristic of which is the need for a get shifur, get to the chirusa, in the event that they are going to be released from their bondage. Omar lay, so Rava says back to Rav Papa, Ichu Shachivi, if I would have died, Lo Amri Milsa, I wouldn't have told you the following. In other words, you're lucky that I'm around to tell you to answer your question. Hachi Omar Rav thusly explains, thusly says Rav regarding this whole arrangement of paying uh, the taxes for the tax delinquent. Rav Sheshis explains Muharkaihu Dahani Betapsa de Malka Monach. The word Muharkaihu, Rashi says Chosamon Shelelu. Chosamon is literally the their seal. Their the their we can say their papers, their documents. Uh, people have documents and their documents lie in the king's treasury. 
so that it, maybe we can understand this in, in the sense that uh, every citizen has his papers that are in the king's possession. Umalka Omar, and the king declares. And we should point out also there's a Rashi that says, the people that became slaves to the king, those people have papers that lie in uh, in the king's treasury, and the king says there's a there's a, a, a let's say a national rule. Malka Omar, the king declares, one who does not pay his head tax, in other words, one who is a tax delinquent, mishtabed raman the Yoav Karga is to be enslaved to he who does pay their tax. What this means for us is that they become full-fledged slaves and becoming a slave to a Jew means that if one day the slave is going to be released, he can't be released other than through a get shikor, the special document that frees him and as we said before, the result of that would be the person becomes a full-fledged Jew. Uh, as we go on in the Gemara, we have, first of all, a topic heading on the side. Under the Nosei, topic heading, we've written, Shloisha Dvorim, Shiro Rabbi Chiyobar Abo, Bekilas Gavla. There are three... The things, three events, three incidents that Rebchia witnessed in the community of Gavla. And we also have a long marking that indicates the length of this particular section. We call it on the side of the Gemara text, Maisa de Gavla, the incident in, in Gavla. Rebchia, the Gemara, Rebchia, Bar Abba, Iklo, Le Gavla, Rebchia visited Gavla. And the, you can see we have a double underline uh, highlighting the, the, uh, Incidents, the points that he saw. Number one, Chaza the Nois Yisrael de Ma'abron mi Geirim Shemolu Velotavlu. He saw that there were Jewish women that had been impregnated by men that converted from their Gentile status through having circumcised, but not immersed in a mikvah. The Chaza Chamro di Yisrael. And he noticed Hamra is wine, wine of Jews, Jewish wine, that that idol worshippers were pouring and Jews were drinking from it. The Turmusin Israel and Ravkiya saw that the there were Turmusin. Turmusin is a type of vegetation that needs extensive cooking before it becomes edible. And he saw that Gentiles were cooking the Tormusim and Jews were eating from them, bearing in mind that there is a halacha that restricts Jews from eating food cooked by non-Jews. So in this case, they were eating Tormusim that were cooked by non-Jews. Volo Omar lohu volo midi. And Rav did not say anything to them. Also the Kami to Rabbi Yochanan, he came before Rabbi Yochanan Amalei, and Rabbi Yochanan said to him, said to Rabbi Yochanan, say v'achrez, you have to go and announce, declare, al b'neim she mamzerim, that their children are mamzerim. Their children are illegitimate. These are the, the Jewish girls that were impregnated by 
converts that only went through the circumcision process and not immersion. The al yenom mishum and declare their wine to be unfit for Jewish consumption. Uh, there's a a Rashi by Yenam Mishum Yai Nesech Rashi on the first line under the Gemara the Afagav the Lonagi Elokocho Biamahu Osir Mishum Lechlech Amen Linezira even though the Gentiles did not actually touch the wine the a, a Gentile who touches or, and stirs the wine itself would render it unfit which we call Yayin Nesech in this case they didn't actually touch the wine itself but rather they they caused the wine to move by holding the receptacle in which the wine wasn't pouring out the wine. But nevertheless, even though it's not an actual physical contact between the wine and the Gentile himself, we nevertheless forbid it in order to create a fence, a distancing from the actual prohibition, is, and which we just, just described, is where the Gentile touches, directly touches the wine, rendering it, rendering it unfit. Um, as part of the various dietary laws that apply to the Jewish people. And the third point that he was to announce is the Al-Tur Musan, Mishum Bishulei and regarding their Turmuses, they're forbidden because uh, they are cooked by Gentiles. L'fisha'ina b'nei Torah. And the Rashi points out that the Lefisha and the Torah is a follow-up of their Tumusin. That the uh, we'll see later in the Gemara that technically speaking, because of the rules of Bishulei Ozechom, the rules that govern food cooked up by Gentiles, the Tumusin really weren't Bishulei Ozechom, as the Gemara will explain later. But nevertheless even though they weren't really forbidden on the grounds of being cooked by Gentiles for reasons that the Gemara will, will spell out later. Nevertheless, they are ruled to be unfit because the people of that community were not Torah knowledgeable. They were not B'nai Torah. Now the Gemara goes over uh, these points. Number one, corresponding to the one before, al B'nayim Shein Mamzerim, the uh, idea that their children are considered mamzerim. This is Rabbi Yochanan, consistent with what he has said elsewhere. The Omar Rabbi Note this is a point that lasts a couple of lines. Quoting Rabbi Yochanan says, "The Olam ain't A person does not become a convert, does not become a Jew through conversion, until he is circumcised and immerses. The Kevan Dolotovil, and since he didn't, and since there in Gavla, the described converts did not do the immersion, uh, who? He's still considered a full fledged Gentile. The Amar Rabbah Babachana, Amar Yochanan, again, we dashed on Rabbi Yochanan to show that in order to come to the conclusion that the children of Mamzer, we combine these two points of law. And the second point is, an idol worshiper or a slave, or a Gentile or a slave that has intimacy or impregnates a Jewish girl, Havlad Mamzer. So that's the point. We said that we have a long point. That's the point to uh, show how Rabbi Yochanan here is by declaring those 
children, mamzerim, w- that he's consistent with what he said elsewhere in these two uh, regarding these two points. Number two, the algenom mishum yayenesach. Rabbi Yochanan expected a declaration to be made concerning their wine as it being considered forbidden wine mishum. And as we saw before in the Rashi, even though the the the, the real yayenesach, the real forbidden wine, was not created here because the Gentiles did not touch the wine, they simply poured the wine. Nevertheless, we declare it usur, forbidden, mishum, because of this principle, that's a, it's a phrase, but it's a principle which means we create distance. The, the phrase is lech lech amrin nazira schor schor lekarma lo tikra. We'll translate it, means we declare to the nazir, the nazir is one who accepted upon himself through a vow not to benefit from the products of grapevines. So we tell the Nazir if he has to get from place A to place B, and maybe there would be a shortcut by cutting through a vineyard, the Nazir though should go around the vineyard. Don't get near the vineyard itself, it's too much of a temptation. For our purposes it means keep distance. So the Gentile that didn't actually touch the wine, but was pouring it, that's too close for comfort. He might end up touching it, making it real Yayin Nesech. So that even though he's not actually touching it, we still declare the wine forbidden, so that people will know to stay away from wine that the uh, the uh, that the Gentiles handle. And the third point: the Al Turmuson Mishum Bishulei Oivdei Kachavim Lefi Sheinon Bnei Torah. Their Turmuson were declared forbidden based on the uh, principle of the rule of Bishulei of the means food cooked by Gentiles is un fit is prohibited for a Jew to consume and the ruling was thus because they were not diligent in their Torah observance ha b'nei Torah sorry are we to infer from this that if they were b'nei Torah if the Gavlo community was comprised of Torah uh, Torah studious individuals we would allow them to eat the Tormusin cooked up by Gentiles. Note we have Rav's name in a house marking on the side. We indicate two versions, two different versions of, of Rav of what establishes something as being Bishul Nochri. Uh, one version is it's something that you would not be able to eat raw uh, if let us say uh, a Gentile cooked up an apple that wouldn't be a problem because an apple is something that one can eat raw a turmos is something that you cannot eat raw a second opinion as to what makes something uh, what qualifies something as, or what disqualifies something as bishul nachri it's uh, uh, something that's oila Al Shulchan Malachim. If it's a type of food that would be served amongst dignitaries, like served served to kings and other important officials, that would make it. That would that would be grounds for declaring something when cooked up by a gentile as bishul nachri. However, let us say it's a food item that, that kings don't eat. I don't know if, of, a, of a of a practical example, but can you imagine a king eating popcorn? If, if that's something that you couldn't imagine so then if a, if a Gentile would prepare popcorn uh, based on this idea that it's 
it's uh, something that's it wouldn't become Bishul Nachri. Bishul Nachri is only that food item that when cooked by a Gentile would be something you would serve to a king. So we're dealing right now with the Tormusin. They're considered Bishul Nachri only because there the people were not Torah diligent, leaving you room to think that if they were Torah diligent individuals and a Goy happened to cook up, the Gentile to cook up a Tormus, you'd be allowed to eat it. But is that really so? But wasn't it said in the name of Rab, Kol Hanechal Items, food items that you could eat raw. Chai means raw. So then if it's cooked up, it wouldn't be rendered forbidden on the grounds of Bishul Nochri. The Hotormus though is a type of vegetation that cannot be eaten raw. It's a type of vegetation that must be cooked before it becomes edible. And if that's the case, it is real Bishul Nochri. By a Gentile cooking up, that would render it forbidden, regardless of whether they're B'nai Torah or not. Even if they are B'nai Torah over there, it's something that would not be allowed to be eaten. The Tormus cooked up by a Gentile. So why does um, Rabbi Yochanan before give us the impression that really it's not a problem, other than the fact that they're not B'nai Torah? More answers. Rabbi Yochanan ki'idoch lishnos virolei. Rabbi Yochanan holds in terms of what defines something as bishul nachri, like the other version of Rav. The Amr of Shmuel bar Rabbi Yitzchok mishmei the Rav. Kol she'ein oila al shulchan melachim le'echol boy esapas. Anything that would not be served on the table of kings that would accompany his meal that he eats with bread. Ein bo mishul bishule of the kohavim. Such an item, if cooked up by a Gentile, would not be forbidden. The emphasis must be that the tormus is a type of food item that you wouldn't serve dignitaries. So that why was it decli- Why did Rabbi Yochan want to, want to declare the tormusin in Gavla Aser? The Torah. The only reason there he wanted to be strict upon them was because they were not Torah diligent. Had they, however, been Torah diligent individuals, then he wouldn't have imposed this restriction because Rabbi Yochanan, as far as letter of the law is concerned, the Turmus is something that's not hence if it's cooked up by a Gentile, it doesn't make it into real Bishule Nochri. It doesn't make it into real foodstuff cooked up by Gentile. In other words, it doesn't make it into the real forbidden Bishule Nochri. Before continuing with the Gemara, we glance at the side of a no say a topic heading where we've written Gerus conversion ma dinom shel mol velo toval toval velo mol. What is the halacha as applies to a Gentile man that converts, circumcises but doesn't immerse in the mikvah, or the other way he? Immerses in a mikveh but doesn't go through circumcision. The Gemara. Tonorabona. Ger Shemol A convert who circumcised, was circumcised but did not immerse in the mikveh. Rabbi Lezer Omer. Harei Zeger. This is considered a, an acceptable conversion. Shekei Motsinu. Baboisenu Shemolu Velotovlu. There is precedent in the form of our 
forebearers in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, the nation of Israel, when they received the Torah, we find that they uh, were circumcised, but there was no immersion. Tovavlomol, what about a case of someone who immersed himself but did not get circumcised? Rabbi Shomer, Hareze Ger, it is an effective gerus. In other words, immersion alone is effective. We find by the, uh, the wives, the women folk, at the time of the receipt of the Torah, that women, pretty much obviously, uh, don't circumcise, but they did immerse themselves. So we find that immersion is a sufficient means of entrance into the status of Judaism. We should point out uh, that at the time of the receipt of the Torah, the Jews formally became a Jewish people. And hence, we're using that as a precedent for the rules of conversion. The Chachomim Oimrim. The Chachomim hold they rule that both elements are necessary for a man, for a male to convert to Judaism. The Gemara now asks questions by focusing on the opinions that we saw, we've seen till now. The Rebbe Yoshua Nami, Nelef Meovos, Fribilazer Nami, Nelef Mimois. When we look at Rebbe Yoshua, we saw that uh, circumcision is enough why doesn't Rabbi Lezer say that immersion is enough? And likewise, Rabbi Yeshua, he said that immersion is enough. Why doesn't he say that circumcision is enough? V'chitema. Now, as far as Rabbi Eliezer is concerned, uh, but, um, why the question is, why does Rabbi Lezer not learn from the Imois. Why doesn't he learn that immersion is enough? You might say that in reaching halachic conclusions, you don't derive that which is possible from that which is impossible. Now let's translate that into practical terms. Rabbi Eliezer seemingly was not learning like Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua said that immersion is enough. Why would Rabbi Lezer not learn that immersion is enough? But what was the basis for saying immersion is enough? The basis was the women folk at the time of Kabbalah Satora. We saw that they entered uh, the Jewish fold through immersion without circumcision. Well, of course there's no circumcision by the women folk because it's an impossibility. So, you might say that you can't learn from the women folk to the men folk, where there is a possibility of being circumcised. So, you might try to argue like that. Once again, Ein Donin Efshar Mishi Efshar. Well, that's not true for Hatanya. We have the following Tanaic source where we see precedent for donning, for concluding the. Possible from the impossible. The Hotanya, and it's worth noting that we're going to focus on Rebbe Eliezer right now because the question that we're asking is focused on Rebbe Eliezer. That namely, why doesn't Rebbe Eliezer learn from the Imams? 
So it says here, From where do you know that the money that's used to purchase the Korban Pesach sacrifice uh, all through the generations, that it must come from mundane funds, common available funds, and not from money that is labeled as Meiser Shani funds. Just a word about Meiser Shani. Uh, during the sabbatical cycle, the seven-year agricultural cycle, the first, second, fourth, and fifth years of a person's harvest in the land of Israel, 10% of the produce would be tithed and taken to Jerusalem, and the owner would eat it there. He also has an option uh, from the Torah to redeem the fruits, transfer their sanctity onto money, and take the money and buy food in Yerushalayim. That money is called Demei Meiser Sheni. So Rabbi Lezer is dealing with the issue that the Korban Pesach cannot come from those monies, but rather from, from uh, available funds, common, mundane money that you have. So where do we learn this principle from? Neymar Pesach B'Mitzrayim V'Neymar Pesach B'Doros. The Torah speaks about the Korban Pesach that was offered in the land of Egypt, and the Torah speaks about the Korban Pesach that, it, that one needs to offer uh, through the generations. Ma Pesach Omor B'Mitzrayim Ein Bo Elo Minachulim Just like the Pesach that the Torah describes that was offered in the land of Egypt, the first Korban Pesach, it came from mundane funds. Af Pesach Omor L'Doros Ein Bo Elo Minachulim So too, the permanent Korban Pesach offering that's to be brought generation after generation is also to be, be brought only from chulin, from mundane, non-holy, non-sanctified funds. Omerlei Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva addresses Rabbi Lezer and says, how can you derive your conclusion concerning Pesach Doros, the generational Korban Pesach, from the one time in history Pesach Mitzrayim event? Can you don Pesach Doros, which is, it's Efshar. In Pesach Doros, they were already, let's say, that from the time they entered the land of Israel onwards, there was already things like sanctified funds as in the form of Meiser Shani. Can you, can you derive the rules of Pesach Doros from E. Efshar, from the Pesach Mitzrayim, where there was no Meiser Shani? They were... They were still in the exile of Egypt. There were no tithes necessary. There was no such thing as Meiser Shani there. So how can you derive Efshar from E. Efshar? Omar Leis, Rabbi Lezer says, back here, Bekiva, Afopishi Efshar, even though Pesach Mitzrayim was E. Efshar, was impossible to have uh, Meiser Shani money there. Raya, Gedolo, He, Benilmat, Hemena. It nevertheless is a great proof and it serves as a precedent from which we can learn that Pesach Doros also must come from Hulin funds. Well, that having been said, so, so too by Gerus, let immersion be enough. Let us learn male conversion from female conversion. Just like by female conversion, immersion was enough, so too by the male conversion, immersion is enough. Even though by the females, circumcision is an impossibility. And by males, it is a possibility. But that shouldn't matter. So we see from here that Tavila, 
and from Rabbi Lezer's uh, method of reasoning, Tavila should be enough. Ella, the Gemara continues on Amid Beis, the Taval Velo Mal, in the case of someone who immersed himself in mikveh without circumcising, Kule Alma Lopli, now Kule Alma, be very careful, usually Kule Alma usually means everybody. But in this case, Kule Alma is a reference to Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua. Those two opinions will agree, the Mahani, that it's effective. Kipligi, the controversy between them comes up regarding only the situation where there was only circumcision without immersion. Rabbi Eliezer, who says that circumcision is enough, Yolif Me'avos, he sees that just like the uh, original Jewish people at the time of Kabbalah Sator, the receipt of the Torah, they had only Mila, there was no immersion, so too for, for future generations that is enough. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, who requires immersion, and he will say that, that, that circumcision is not enough. Immersion to Vila is necessary. But of Islami to Vila have He feels that there was also immersion with regard to that generation of Jews that received the Torah. Minole, from where does he know that? So you see that with the markings, the Gemara goes through a couple of attempts. The triangles highlight the attempts to show from where uh, does Rabbi Yeshua uh, know that. So, if you're going to say from the fact that the Pesach says Now this Pesach is in the context of the receipt of Torah. And it says that they shall sanctify themselves and they shall wash their clothing, kipsu, or immerse their clothing for the time being. And let's try to see how you would reason from this that there was there was people immersion. Mind you, in a regular situation of ritual impurity, as is the case of Balkeri, a man who experiences a semen release. So he becomes ritually impure, becomes Tomei. He does not require. He is not required to purify his clothing. It's sufficient for him to be tovel. So, in a in a place where we don't have a kibus requirement, a clothing purification requirement, yet immersion is necessary. Mokum shetol kibus in a under situations like we have by Kabbalah Torah that kibus was necessary, and that we dashed underline two lines above. All the more so, we should require immersion. The Gemara says this is not conclusive, and that's why we began with the word elema in the triangle. And the Gemara said, if you are to say this, when you see the word elema, you know it's not conclusive, and for this reason, the Dilma Nikius the Alma, maybe the the kibus begadim, the kibus simloisam, was simply to wash them; they should be clean, and not for uh, purification purposes. That would be enable then for uh, enable us to then make the kalvachomer. The kalvachomer we made before was in the context of purification, not in the case of um, simple cleanliness. So we dismiss that as a source. Elo mehocha from the following. Where do, from where does Rabbi Yeshua know that at the time of Kabbalah Torah there must have been an immersion as well as the circumcision? The Pesach says uh, at, in the context of Mount Sinai, the receipt of the Torah, that Moshe Rabbeinu took uh, uh, blood and sprinkled it on the people. And we have a tradition. 
You don't find sprinklings without an accompanying immersion. So the fact that sprinkling took place, that's a sure sign that there had to have been immersion at Maimon Har Sinai. For Rabbi Yeshua, Tevila Limois Minolon, Rabbi Yeshua, who says that you need to have Tevila, and he learned that from the Imois, uh, where does he know that from? Where does he know that the women folk immerse themselves? Savorahu, it's a matter of logic. The Imkain, if there wasn't even a, an immersion requirement, through what means would they have entered the heavenly covenant and in other words become Jews? So Reb is uh, reflecting the opinion of the Chachomim that we saw in the source at the bottom of Omid Aleph. Being that Reb is simply ruling like the Chachomim that you, you need to have both, the Gemara asks Shita, it is, is it not obvious? When you have a controversy between an individual and a, and a uh, majority, the halacha will follow the rabbin, the, the uh, multitude. The multitude opinion is weightier than the individual opinion. So the Gemara reveals to us that man chachomim, the opinion that was, re- that was quoted on Omid Aleph as the opinion of the chachomim that requires both, is really an individual. Rabbi Yoisi. It's the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. Desanya. And we have a Tanaic source in which Rabbi Yossi will appear. Harei shebo v'omar. Malti velotavalti. Imagine a person comes, a person that we knew to be a, he had been a Gentile, and he comes and tells us that I circumcised, but I didn't immerse. Matbilin oisoi umabakach. Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. We will immerse him. Um without checking through witnesses if his milah, his claimed circumcision was a circumcision with mitzvah intent uh, we don't worry about that according to Rabbi Yudah, immersion is enough Rabbi Yossi says, says no we have to verify that the Circumcision was done with proper mitzvah intention. Rabbi Yossi requires both. And the fact that he's physically circumcised is not enough. He might be a uh, an Arab that also practices circumcision and uh, circumcision that's done without uh, mitzvah intent is of no value. So Rabbi Yossi, unlike Rabbi Yudha, Rabbi Yossi is concerned that the circumcision was done properly and only then would we allow a, an immersion. Rashi, at the, uh, where the star appears with, that we've written in, since according to Rabbi Yehuda, one is enough, now we have to emphasize, if the convert had circumcised in front of us, meaning we are aware that it was done with proper intention, that 
uh, we can allow him to immerse himself on Shabbos. The Bemilo Sagile, the circumcision really was enough. He didn't need to have immersion. His immersion on Shabbos, even though Shabbos is a time that we do not engage in changing the status of things and repairing things and fixing things. You see the term misakni gavra, to fix the person. That means to enable him to assume a, a different status, i.e. a Jewish status. But the immersion is not of significance, according to Rabbi Huda, once we know that the circumcision was done with proper intent. So, hence the source says, lefikach, I'll read that, we'll read that line again in the source, in the Gemara, lefikach, since only one is enough, matbilin ger b'shabbos de a ger that had circumcised himself in our presence with our knowledge, done with proper mitzvah intention, on Friday, the day before Shabbos, we can have him immerse on Shabbos, because that immersion really is of no consequence. And as a result, it wouldn't be a problem of misakne, misakin gavra. For Rabbi Yossi Omer, ein matbilin. Rabbi Yossi says that even under those circumstances we cannot allow him to immerse on Shabbos because you need to have both elements the circumcision and the immersion so that even though he might have circumcised himself in front of us from before Shabbos the tevilah if it were done on Shabbos would be the concluding act necessary for his conversion and Shabbos is a time that we avoid doing things that are of a we'll say of a fixing or completing nature so we brought this source in to demonstrate that Rabiosi is the opinion that says you need to have both things and, and it's not a really a, a the opinion of the multitude even though it was referred to on Omid Aleph at the bottom as the Shita of the Chachomim it's really the opinion of Rabiosi so it was important for us to hear that quoting Rabbi Yochanan rules like that. Omar Mar, Lefikoch Matbilin Ger Bishabbos Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. This is, of course, a quote from the source we just saw. Where it says, Pshita, is that not obvious? Kevadom Rabbi Yehuda, Bechado Sakyo, since Rabbi Yehuda says one is enough, Hechadomol Lefanenu Matbilin, where he had circumcised himself in our presence before Shabbos. That's enough to establish the Jewish status. Why should there be any problem in his being toivel on Shabbos? It's not Mesachni Gavra. My Lefikoch. What is the necessity of the source to spell out uh, that point? That once the Tevil, once the, uh, the Mila was done in front of us, that he's able to be toivel on Shabbos. Why not? Mahu de Temo, without this having been spelled out, I would have thought, the Rebuda Tevila Iker, that the mainstay of conversion is the immersion. Utvila Bishabis Lo, the Komasak and Gavro. And that Tevila and Shabbos cannot be allowed because that would be the uh, improvement or the, the, the completion of the individual as a Jew. What the source is informing us is that as far as Rebuta is concerned, it's either or. It's not as if the immersion is the main element. Again, a quote from the source above, Rebuta says that 
uh, you do not immerse a convert, even though he circumcised himself already before Shabbos, you don't have him immerse on Shabbos. Now, Rabbiosi, as we explained before, requires both circumcision and immersion. Being that we understand Rabbiosi to require both, this point that Rabbiosi says you're not Machbil on Shabbos, Pshita, that's obvious. Came on the Omer Rabbiosi, Tarti Boino, since Rabbiosi says we need to have both Tikune Gavro, Peshabbos, Lomesak, Ninon, to complete a person to, his, to complete the. Uh, the conversion uh, requirements on Shabbos, we would not do. The, uh, the Gemara has to answer then, uh, why, uh, why, does, why is it necessary for the Tanaic source to spell out Rabbi Yossi's position of Ein Matbilin when that would seem to be obvious? The Gemara answers, Mahu de Tema, the Rabbi Yossi, Mila Iker. I might have thought that as far as Rabbiosi is concerned, the mainstay of conversion is the circumcision. And where is it that Rabbiosi is insistent on the Tvila? That's where the Mila, the circumcision, was not done in our presence. But where Mila was done in our presence, and we're aware of its uh, of its uh, effectiveness of its, of its um, accuracy, being that it was done with the proper intent. I would would have thought that there's nothing wrong with this kind of person being toivel on Shabbos, being that the mainstay is the Mila, and that if it were done in front of us. That would have been enough. So the point of this source is to say that that's not the way to look at things as far as Rabiosi is concerned. That that one that the Mila is the mainstay. But rather, both practices, both are necessary. The circumcision in front of us as well as the immersion of Tevila in the Mikvah. Omar Rabba Uvdo Hava Bey Rabbi Chiyoba Rebbe the Rav Yosef, Masni, uh, we're going to have in the next few lines what I'd like to call a build-up. Build-up of names. Rabbo says a Maisa took place in the home of Rabchia, the son of Revi, and Rav Yosef adds to the names of this incident, Rav Yosef Masni, Rav Oshaya Varevi, meaning in addition to Rabchia Varevi, Rav Oshaya Varevi was also there. Rav Safra Masni, an additional level, an, uh, an added name, Rav Oshaya Bar Chia, that this third gentleman was there. So there's an incident involving these three rabbis, the Osul Kamei Ger Toval. There came to them a convert that experienced circumcision, but not immersion. Omrulei, uh, they said to him, Shohi Kan Adlemachar, wait here. Uh, now this story took place at night so they said wait here till the next day and then we will immerse you from this story from, uh, particularly from Rav Safra's uh, version of the story that there were three rabbis we conclude three points number one in order for Gerus to 
be effective, you have to have it done in the presence of three. Uh, in the presence of three. And we learn from this story that he's not considered a ger until the immersion is done, in addition to the circumcision. Because as we saw before, this, involved, this story involves someone who had already been circumcised. That wasn't enough. They insisted that he wait till the tefillah. And we also learn that immersion does not take place at night. The Gemara asks, Why not include a fourth conclusion from this story that you have to have three experts, like in this story, you have three great rabbis present, and that in general all Geras would require munchen, experts. The Gemara says you can't conclude that from this story, Dilma de Iklu. It might be that they just happened to show up at the time that this convert was. Uh, presenting his case, but not that you need to uh, to assemble three experts at from the outset. The Rashi says, that the incident was just that it so happened that three great rabbis assembled. But as far as the need for three, that as we pointed out in number one, the Shema Mino Geret so that you can you see from here, uh, from the fact that Rav Safra insisted on presenting his version of having a third person there. Omar Rav Chia, we continue in the Gemara, Omar Rav Chia Bar Abba, Omar Rav Yochanan, Geret Sorech Shloisha, a Ger, in order for conversion to take place, you need to have three. Mishpat, the word mishpat, which generally speaking means judgment, appears in the context of conversion. And Rashi quotes the posuk mishpat ksibe, mishpat echod ye lochem vilager. So that you see that mishpat, which is judgment, and judgment cannot take place with less than three, is pertinent for gerus, for conversion. Before we continue the Gemara, there is a topic heading that we have on the side, <coughs> the Nosei, Ne'emonus Lomar Ger Ani, the believability that can be assigned, or possibly not, to someone that comes along, and based on Tosis we want to add, someone that we knew had been a Gentile. And he comes along and he tells us, I am a converter, I have converted. The Gemara, Tonu Rabbonan, Mi Shebo Omar Ger Ani. Someone who comes and tells us, I am, I have been converted to Judaism. Yachol Nikablenu, can we accept him? Talmud Lomar Itcha. Now we have a Posik that the Gemara is citing on the side. Let's look at the Posik that we've written on the side. Posik from Vayikra Perek Yutes Posik Lamed Gimel. So in the Pesach it says Who is considered a ger? Someone who was known to have that status. Someone who was known to have converted. By the mere announcement that he makes I have converted, that's not enough. 
Ba the Adov Imoi Minayan. If a Ger comes together with witnesses that can testify to that effect, from where do we know that that is to be believed? Tamalomar Vachi Yogur. The Rashi adds to this Tamalomar Vachi Yogur Mikomakum. Means if there dwell amongst you, however he might be. So that comes to include a case like this. Now, this particular point needs clarification because once you have witnesses, we know that uh, according to Torah law, uh, witnesses are, they represent uh, the final word in, in basically all matters. So, is it not obvious if you have uh, two witnesses that come and testify about a person's having converted that that is to be believed? Do I need something, a special reference in the Pesach for that? Again, that will be dealt with later. The Pesach says, We continue at the top of Mem Zayin Omer Aleph, From this, I would think that conversion can take place only in the land of Israel. The Chutzor Minayim, from where do we know also outside the land of Israel? Talmud Lomar, Itcha. Bechol Mokoim She'itcha. Now, it's also noteworthy, and the Gemara will pick up on this later, that this very word was already explained in a different context. We said, Bemuchsukloch. So, how is the same word used for an, a different drosha? The Gemara continues, In Cain, uh, if you darshan itcha to mean bechol mokom shitcha wherever you are, in Cain matam lomer ba'aretz. Why does the Torah limit uh, things to the land of Israel. The Pasuk said, What's the purpose of, of limiting to the land when, in fact, it's inclusive of even outside the land? The Gemara answers, Talmud Lomar, or I should say, uh, b- uh, let's read that line again, Answer, In the land of Israel, proof must be brought to the conversion. The chutzlords ain tzoruch lahavi raya. Outside the land of Israel, no need to bring proof. Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, this is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and we look at Rashi at the top. Tzoruch lahavi raya should be based in his gaier. Is to bring a raya, bring proof that he converted in a court. Shemo givoni mohu who he might be a. Uh, just the fact that he might that he uh, circumcised, he might be a givoni. A givoni are people that latched on to the Jewish people, but are themselves not Jewish. And why would someone uh, want to do this? He's saying that I've converted uh, without proof. A person might claim he's converted so as to benefit from the benefits of the land of Israel. The land of Israel in the Torah is described as the land flowing with milk and honey. So that it might be because he wants to benefit from the benefits of the land of Israel that he's claiming that he has converted when in fact he has not. So uh, in the land of Israel, Rabbi says we need to have proof that he converted within the presence of a basin, of a court, of court of three. The Gemara continues, Whether in the land of Israel or outside the land of Israel, proof must be brought that he had converted uh, in, in the presence of a basin.
The Gemara now raises the question that we pointed out earlier. Uh, case where a convert comes with witnesses. What do I need a posuk for? By the way, the star indicates where you can find this by looking for the star on where this quote came from. So the question remains, why do I need a posuk to tell me something that is so obvious that one is believed when he has witnesses? Om Rav Sheshis. explains what really uh, taken place as far as the source is concerned. The Amri, the witnesses said, Shomanu Shinizgayer, the Bezdin Shel Ploni. They are testifying that we heard he had converted in so-and-so court. It's not as if the witnesses are saying we saw him go through conversion in the presence of a specific court, but rather it's more of a, we'll say, hearsay. We heard that. So, I would have thought maybe not to believe them. Here is telling us uh, that uh, the, the, the is telling us that if you have this level of testimony that you can believe them. We continue again with a quote, the Artsachem, quote from the source uh, that began at the bottom of Mem Vovom The Posik said, Ba'artsachem, Ein Li Elaboratz, Bechutzoros Minayin. From where do we know that conversion takes place also outside the land of Israel? Tamadomar Itcha, the Chol Mokom Shitcha. The Gemara asks, Baha Afikte, did we not already darshan the word Itcha? In other words, uh, we see second line from the top over here, Itcha is coming to include wherever Jews may dwell. However, uh, at the bottom line of Mem Vavam we saw the word Itcha to explain why a person who simply comes and claims that he's a Ger, we don't believe him because you need Bemuchsok Loch. So, how can the word Itcha be used? Recycled, if you will, or used a second time. Once you say that a particular Torah word teaches me X, you can't come along and say it teaches me Y. The Gemara answers: Chado meitcha, the Chado meitchem. There's a uh, pasuk that we uh, have quoted. We've written on the side of the Gemara. Uh, this is based on the Gro. Uh, commentary. Vayikra Perak Yutes Posuk Lamed Dalid. Posuk says, Ezrach Mikem Ye Lochem Hager Hagor Itchem. Vyahavto Loi Kamoicho Kigir Miyisaberets Mitzrayim Ani Hashem Aleikechem. The emphasis, though, you can see is the word Itchem in this Posuk, which makes reference to Geirim. So we have two sources one to tell me the Mursukloch and the other to tell me even outside the land of Israel. This we saw at the end of, this is again a quote from the source above, that wherever you are even outside the land of Israel, proof must be brought that you converted in front of a proper court. The Gemara asks, But did we not see a limitation to the land of Israel? 
the source had darshaned uh, this above. On the third line from the top, we saw Rabbi Yudah say, raya, and that's what I had learned from the word, well, since we upgraded the reading from the word Itchem. Uh, so why do the Chomim say that even uh, outside the land of Israel you need to bring proof? So just to go over that point, did the Pesach not specify Ba'artzachem? That in the land of Israel you have, a, let's say, a, a different standard? So the Gemara answers, Hahu, Miboyaleh, the Ba'artzachem is needed for something else. It's to tell me It's to tell me that even in the land of Israel we will accept converts. That is what Ba'ar Zichem tells me. It doesn't limit the need to bring proof to the land of Israel, but rather it tells me this point, this novel point, that even in the land of Israel we are willing to accept converts. The You might have thought that people who claim to be converts are doing so only to benefit from the benefits of the land of Israel. And and nowadays when we don't when it's it's not a, a land flowing with milk and honey anymore. Uh, the, we're talking about a period. Uh, likely after the destruction of the temple but still there are benefits to be accepted as a Jew and, and be a part of the land of Israel there's still different tithes that the poor can benefit from the names of the tithes are Leket, Shikha, Pea and Maiseroni so one might have thought that a person who is claiming to have converted is doing so uh, or, or a person who expresses interest in conversion is only doing so with this ulterior motive for his own personal uh, aggrandizement and benefit that's why the word appears to tell me that we, we don't suspect that and we, we accept Gerim even in the land of Israel assuming that their interest in conversion is for altruistic purposes as opposed to these ulterior motives. So Rabbi Yochanan rules like the Shita of the Chachomim that whether it's in the land of Israel or outside the land of Israel, the convert who claims he converted has to bring proof that he did so in a proper fashion in front of a court of three. Pshita is Rabbi Yochanan's ruling not obvious. Yochid v'rabim alochid v'rabim. You have a controversy between an individual and a multitude. In this case, we had Rabbi Yudah on the one hand and the Chachamim on the other. Of course, the halacha will follow the rabim, the multitude. What does Rabbi Yochanan add to uh, our knowledge that we wouldn't have been able to conclude on our own? Mahu detaimo. Without Rabbi Yochanan, I would have thought mistaber taimo the Rabbi Yehudah that the reasoning behind Rabbi Yudah was stronger because the the simple reading of the pasuk would have appeared to be in his direction. He at Rabbi Yehudah uh, had darshan ba'artzachem, meaning that only in the land of Israel do you need to bring proof. And isn't that what the 
isn't that the more I'll say simpler approach to things? So that's what I would have thought to go like him because he has the power of the pasuk behind him. Komash Malan, Rabbi Yochanan says that even so, we will rule like the Rabbonin, like the Chachamim, requiring proof, not only in the land of Israel, but also outside, conversions outside the land of Israel. Before we conclude, let us remind you that if you wish to be in touch with us, especially in order to access marked Gemaras, we can be reached at gmarkings at gmail.com. With that, we conclude our shiur for today.